Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome to the Healthy Gut Podcast with Rebecca Coombs, the place where you can learn how to achieve a happy, healthy gut. Here's what's coming up on today's show. Hi guys and welcome back to episode 89 of the Healthy Gut Podcast. Today I'm joined by Dr. Jason Wysocki and we talk all about the elemental diet. Now I did record this episode a little while ago when I was in Portland, Oregon in the US uh, long before COVID-19 had completely disrupted our lives and we talk about the elemental diet, why you might do it, how you do it, what are the absolutely key key fundamentals in preparing for it so that you can have a really successful experience and also how you come off the elemental diet because coming off it is just as as important as doing it. And I myself went through the elemental diet. I managed to do 14 days. I do have a vlog, a video diary blog of my experience of each day plus the results plus how I felt at the end of it. So if you would like to watch that, head to the Healthy Gut YouTube channel and you'll see that as a playlist. Now don't forget that you can get today's transcription from the episode by simply becoming a member of the Healthy Gut podcast. Head to the Healthy Gut dot com forward slash podcast to sign up today and you will receive not only today's transcription but all of the transcriptions from season three so here's today's episode with dr jason wysocki all about the elemental diet Welcome to the Healthy Gut Podcast, Dr. Jason Wysocki. Thank you for coming back onto the show. You've been with us quite a few times now, so it's great to have you here. Always a pleasure, Rebecca. Glad to be here. And I have the great joy of doing this interview face-to-face in Portland, Oregon, as we've, I've just been here for the SIBO Symposium, so it's really nice to be able to sit down and look into your eyes <laughs> <laughs> as I interview you. But for those people that haven't heard me do one of my previous interviews with you, I really highly recommend you go back to episodes 40, 45 and 72. So this is Jason's fourth time onto the Health, Healthy Gut Podcast. But in the past, we've talked about the mind-body-spirit connection, which is so important. We've talked about SIBO and men, which is often a very under-discussed topic as well. So, um, and today we're going to be talking all about the elemental diet. Oh, what fun. (laughs) (laughs) 
And it's something that I went through myself in September of uh, 2018. After saying I would never do the elemental diet, I decided and realised it was actually the right thing for me to do at that time. Before we dive into my own experience with it, let's talk about what an elemental diet actually is. That's a really good question, Rebecca. Yeah, and this is normally where I will start uh, with patients is actually saying, okay, let's go through the different options for SIBO treatment. And in all actuality, the elemental diet is an underutilized treatment uh, for SIBO because of its relative success and its availability to lower gas numbers very quickly. Um, so what it actually is, and there are many different types of elemental diet, there are many different ways to do it, uh, but at its core, the elemental diet tries to pr produce nutrition while putting someone in a quasi-fasting state, but give them the adequate nutrition so their body doesn't have to go necessarily into fasting, but their gut does. So it's broken down into very, very, very fine nutrients that get absorbed very high up the small intestine. And this is important because in small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, we're trying not to feed the bacteria in the intestine that produces gas. So this is literally not giving them any food to produce gas for a certain amount of time with the idea that we're going to starve some of them and move the rest down the gastrointestinal tract. So it just really simply not give them the food to produce gas and move them out of where we do not want them. So what isn't an elemental diet? Are there things that perhaps are purported to be an elemental diet that aren't in fact one? Yeah, so if from my standpoint, they must be free form amino acids, meaning the amino acids or proteins are broken down in a state that they're gonna be absorbed as soon as they enter the small intestine. If there are particles in a quote unquote elemental diet that will go farther down, that will be able to be fermented, that is not a useful elemental diet. Let's talk about brands. And I myself tried Integrative Therapeutics Elemental Diet and I bought both the um, regular version and the dextrose-free version. And from my perspective, I think the flavor is really very pleasant. Yes, you get sick of the flavour after that being the only thing you taste other than toothpaste and water. Um, but it's not horrible. It's To me, it kind of tasted like, like a, a funny combination of vanilla cake, a tropical fruit drink, and I got a little bit of coconut in there. But everyone seems to taste it slightly different to one another. And I think it's quite pleasant. It's really not, it's not revolting. Uh, so there's that brand. What else is there available for people wanting to do the elemental diet? Yeah, so I have to be honest, and again, I'm, I'm, I'm not paid by integrative therapeutics. I have no association with them other than we have a great relationship and we use a lot of their products. They're a fantastic brand. Um, that's actually the one I use 90 to 95% of the time. And the reason being is they consulted with all of us when they designed it. So they took all the the thinking from the homemade elemental and the other formulas and the other brands, and they really, really tried to come out with the cleanest, best allergy-free product that would accomplish what we were talking about, getting it down to free-form aminos and throwing you know, a decent amount of nutrition in there so someone can shut their gut down and allow it to rest without putting the rest of their body 
in that fasting state because there's going to be enough symptoms from just shutting the gut down rather than also dealing with fasting. So, and I'm sure we're going to get into that a little bit more too. Um, but yeah, that's integrative therapeutics. There's the homemade version, which we put together in many different ways. There's a couple different products where you can get some close to free form amino acids and mix that with a multivitamin core and then either add the dextrose or the maltodextrin and yeah those are really the only two that i recommend in my practice i know that there's others out there uh, but i've just found with this and especially when patients choose this path we're just really trying to limit variables so i want to stay in those areas that i'm comfortable and have seen this a hundred of times you know so i can answer those questions and and have a predictable outcome when would you choose to use something like integrative therapeutics um, elemental diet formula versus going homemade? Why would you do one versus the other? Yeah, the integrative therapeutics formula, just for ease. I mean, it, it, having something that we can dispense, I can tell the exact number of scoops and the exact number of days and calculate how much is needed. And, you know, we carry these products that a patient can literally leave with this right at the end of the visit and just start and have ease. And, you know, we carry both formulas, the dextrose free and the one with full dextrose. So, you know, that's, it's just ease in the sense of those sorts of things. The homemade, we have the recipe for it. Um, normally people would only go to that version, at least in my practice, when they don't tolerate uh, the integrative therapeutics versions, just because of ease. I mean, it, it's just a, a prepackaged product it's consistent, we limit the variables, and, and it's been successful. And have my own personal experience, uh, I can attest to the fact that it is easy. I just had the bag on my countertop in my kitchen. It comes with a scoop. You don't have to worry about trying to figure out the measurements. Uh, you put it in your water. I'd add some ice, blend it up, done. You know, literally 30 seconds and I was able to drink my elemental diet drink. Um, whereas I would imagine doing the homemade version, there's so much more work that goes into it. There's multiple products. There's multiple measurements. Um, it, it does give you a fair degree to be able to adapt it a little bit more. But it is a lot more work. And there, there are mess ups. You know, oh my goodness, I put two scoops of the multivitamin this time and I'm, I'm a little hyper. You know, that, those variables are taken away with the integrative therapeutics, that it's just, it's pre-made, it's easy. And for the majority of people, they're not feeling very creative when they're on the elemental diet. So having something that is, is as near brainless as possible is, is what we want to get to in the sense of this is just what I'm doing. I can put myself either going through my day or in a relaxed state and this is just what I do for, for those time periods. And I've got to say, it's really pleasant actually to have a break from cooking, from thinking about food, from shopping, from pulling recipes together and meals together, when all you have to do is pull out a scoop or two or three, put it in a shake, blend it up, and then you're done within 30 seconds. It's really nice <laughs> to have a break. Exactly, and you can modify this elemental diet. That's the exciting part, that the core is, is stable, meaning we've taken all the variables out, we know how this works, we know it absorbs in that very high part of the small intestine, but we can 
add more fat or make it colder or add more water or modify those sorts of things, which again, I, I probably should not be getting excited about adding a spoonful of fat to something that you, you're eating for two to three weeks, but it does allow you to change it uh, for a particular patient, for a particular uh, calorie requirement or a particular condition. Let's talk about the regular version and the dextrose-free version. Why would you do one over the other? So when the Elemental Diet first came out, um, we were early adopters of the integrative therapeutics formula. And we noticed that some people, and I, get, I, I believe that this gets blown out of proportion um, from at least my standpoint, but it is something we definitely have to pay attention to. We, we saw some people who were already, quote unquote, yeasty, and I can go into that in more detail if, if you would like. So they were just, quote, unquote, a little bit more yeasty, and they would develop some yeast symptoms, um, meaning in their mouth, in their throat, on their tongue, um, normally stayed there. And we asked Integrative to, and this was because of the dextrose, you know, because that's just plain sugar. And in this formula, that plain sugar is getting right on your tongue. And we'll get, up, we'll get into tricks that we can avoid that a little bit, but that plain version just gets right on your tongue. A lot of this is in your mouth. It stays in your mouth. You're sipping this throughout the day. You're sipping it very slowly, which I'm sure we'll get into too. Um, that's why we asked for the dextrose-free version, which is uh, tapioca maltodextrin. Um, that doesn't necessarily promote yeast growth as much. It's still a concern but it reduces that by at least 60 to 70%. We'll talk about what to look for when you're doing the elemental diet, but I'd like us to start off with preparing for the elemental diet. And I, you were consulting with me in the lead up to my um, experience with the elemental diet. Um, and I felt that the, you know, getting myself prepared for it was actually a really important step. What do you encourage your patients to do when preparing for the elemental diet? So besides just mentally getting prepared, because this, this is a big endeavor, and again, we'll talk through, there's so many different experiences that everyone's experience with the elemental diet is individual. And some people have a fantastic time on it, literally don't have to worry about food, their symptoms are going away, they have energy more than they've had in a very long time, and others, this is like a living hell and the whole spectrum in between. So the first thing that I encourage my patients is, you know, just to be educated. Know that this is a path. It isn't the only path. Um, we've probably talked through that already, the different paths and why we would choose this one. And just making sure that it's the right time in their life. I cannot express this more. You know, if it is a time in their life that's busy, they have no margin, um, job is just, at the top of stress, possibly a new baby, a new marriage, you know, all these new life events, this probably is not the best time to take two to three weeks, which turns into four to six, truly, when you come off of it, and devote it to something like this. So first, really planning and allowing the time for the elemental diet. The other thing is, this is a quasi-fast. So possibly getting to the place where someone is either going on, you know, an intro SCD or some type of diet that starts to limit food. It will just make the process a little bit easier. The other thing to consider is what kind of treatments you've had and what kind of tests you have. Do we know whether you're yeasty? 
you know, has a stool test been run that we actually know, oh, there is a good amount of yeast. You may be a yeast producer. You might have a little bit more yeast. We may need to take a couple uh, interventions before the elemental diet to address yeast so that this process could go better for you. So there's so many different things in that preparatory process um, that I go over with patients, but those are the, those are the top ones. Is yeast only identified or yeast overgrowth only identified through stool analysis or are there other measures that you can look for that can indicate that there is issues with yeast? There are other measures. That's the one that I like to hang my hat on, to be honest, um, is, a, is a comprehensive stool analysis with a microscopic uh, test to see whether it's growing microscopically. Because a lot of yeast does not grow outside of someone's gastrointestinal tract. They have yeast and it's their little baby yeasts and it only grows in their intestines. So we need to look at that for them. The other things to look at and, and questions to ask are, have you had problems with yeast before? Did you have thrush as a kid? Do you have oral thrush at times? Do you have yeast infections? You know, all of these things lead, lead up to that. Do you have fungus on your skin? Do you have fungus on your nails? You know, these are questions to be asking and finding out if someone is quote unquote yeasty. Definitely. And it's just, it's funny as you're saying that and you're talking about, do you have fungus on your nails? I remember going on vacation at the end of my schooling. We, we call it schoolies in Australia. And uh, the things your brain just gives back to you. Thanks, brain, for reminding me of this. One of the guys that we went away with had such bad fungal nail issues that it looked like he had little trees growing out of his toes. And I remember us all being quite disgusted and going ooh ooh don't get in the pool the swimming pool with us and and I now look back and think my poor, my gosh that poor guy he was so yeasty he had major yeast issues because he had little trees <laughs> it was really intense and it doesn't necessarily it's not an equal sign it doesn't necessarily correlate but it does give us just a, a glimpse into is this particular person, patient, organism growing these things? So that's, it, it's just a, one of the things to be looked at. But yeah, I mean, if someone is growing a lot of fungus on them right now, that probably is part of their microbiome. So taking that into consideration, taking the necessary precautions just sounds really smart to me. In terms of getting ready from a pure digestive tract perspective, one thing that you and I talked about as I got ready was just the slowing down of the really big meals and moving into softer food, more liquid foods, so that by the time I started the elemental diet, it wasn't like I went and ate an all-you-can-eat buffet with huge steaks the day before and then bang, no more food. Um, What's the process you like your patients to go through with, with, the, with the food side? Yeah, I, I, you know, we, we learn from our patients and we learn from new things. And uh, I had one patient that did share with me that they both began and ended an elemental diet with a Las Vegas buffet. And I think I shared that with you. And uh, I, I share that now for emphasis that that just, just that did not go well um, for anyone, including the patient, I believe. So the process the more you can prepare yourself, both mind, body, and spirit, for any treatment, the more it can have success. So with an elemental diet, going to full liquid, you know, you, you want to take maybe a week before, maybe even two, to, to start 
lowering portion quantity if possible if weight is not an issue because this is another thing with elemental diet if weight is an issue this may not be the right path right now for you but if weight is not an issue you know cutting down on portion size you coming away from big heavy meals going more towards i like to make the joke baby food as close to possible possibly doing you know intro scd intro gaps you know these are different diets if someone doesn't know um that really break break things down to the bare necessities uh, beforehand this is just going to help ease the system into you know an elemental diet i incorporated a lot more stews and soups and smoothies so pureed or blended foods into those days leading up to the elemental diet and I also did a little bit more fasting so my intermittent fasting windows grew so I was doing lunch and dinner and doing more 24-hour fasts just so I was getting mentally prepared and reminded of what it was like not to chew and I think that was somewhat helpful for me. Yeah, I mean, any anything to prepare all the facets, you know, both mind, gut, the mouth. People miss eating, and, and eating is so much a part of our culture these days. That's why I say there has to be so much preparation in the sense that if you're going through your normal day, you may encounter a, a lot of people eating, and just to be prepared for that, and even in yourself realizing this is going to be your nourishment for two to three weeks it's pretty intense and and anything you can do to help offset that and it doesn't have to be a fancy diet like you're saying it can just be you know going more towards soups more going more towards stews going more towards smoothies you know that that will definitely help the big porterhouse the night before probably not the best idea (laughs) (laughs) for those of you that are interested to see firsthand what it's like to go through the elemental diet if you are considering doing it i vlogged my way through i shared the highs the lows and everything in between and you can see that on the healthy gut youtube channel just search for the healthy gut i've got that as a playlist called um the elemental diet so surprising that that's what it's called Uh, there's also a link to that in the show notes so you know I really do share everything um, that I went through and I will preface you know if you're thinking of doing the elemental diet and you watch what I went through that doesn't mean it will be your experience my experience was unique to me now you might glean some things or if you're going through a day and you're having a more challenged day and you see a video of me you know, sobbing and saying, oh, I just miss food so much as I did. Um, It might give you comfort to know that you're not the only one feeling that, but you might also have an amazing time and really relish the experience. Jason, do you see people, um, do you see a trend with your patients in terms of more people love it or more people struggle with it? What, what's the, is there a commonality between us SIBO folk? There is not a commonality, um, and there really there is there's some predictors, uh, but sometimes I'm even surprised. So I I really want to stress this that everyone's experience is different, and even I also want to stress that even the worst experiences, uh, there were very few that I thought were dangerous. Like we're talking one, two, three on one hand of hundreds that this was probably not the right time, not the right choice, which I believe we even talked about beforehand. And everyone has their own decision, you know, in terms of what they choose. So 
I would say it's all across the board. Um, I do have to say that it, the majority of people are more on the tolerable side in saying that was completely miserable for a couple of days, but all in all, I'm glad I did it. It helped in some ways, some more than others. Uh, we'll probably talk about results later. Uh, but it really is the whole continuum, and I, I, I don't want to be disingenuous with that. It is the whole continuum. Some people you know, they just love the freedom of not worrying about, oh my goodness, where am I going to find the food? Is this going to make me bloated? Is this going to hurt me today? They just have this really simple, get this scoop. They even go to work and enjoy that because they didn't have to think about it and they can bring it. You know, sometimes we even use the elemental diet for travel meals, you know, as a safe travel meal. And, and that may be, you know, a precursor for someone to prepare for the elemental diet to, hey, try it out for your next business trip where you just need a, a SIBO-friendly lunch or something like that to say, oh, you know what, that's that's worse than I thought or that's better than I thought. Who shouldn't do the elemental diet? So the, the patients that I would say this probably is not the best path right now is the first thing is it's not the right time, meaning this is just not the right time in their life. They haven't tried other treatments first. Uh, not that I'm, I, I actually will say in this that I wish the elemental diet was considered more with treatment and more first line because sometimes that's all we need and we didn't spend the months trying to treat with other paths. But the people that really shouldn't consider this are those that are really grossly underweight. Um, I, I think that will need a very, very close degree of monitoring if that patient decides that. If they're already underweight and you know they're, they may not be able to get the quantity of scoops because the scoops equal cal calories. And someone that hasn't been eating much for a long time may just not be able to get the volume of elemental diet down. And that's when things may get a little bit dangerous just from a nutritional standpoint. So that would be one category. And another category would be the person that just can't do this. We do not want to set people up for failure. This is hard enough. Um, people aren't feeling well to begin with. We don't want to set anyone up for failure where it's just, I'm not going to be able to do this. I, I've done it. I've tried fasting before. I can only do a day. And that's, they just know that intrinsically that they are not going to be able to do this. That would be part of that preparation is someone really coming to the place like you did that, oh, I actually want to try this. And, and, and really coming to the place that this is the time to do it. There really isn't many other things where I would say this would be dangerous. Uh, but the one I would say is if anything is going on, that this high degree of carbs or sugar may be contraindicated in someone's treatment. So the first thing that comes to mind is a, it's a cancer or something that this just wouldn't fit with what they're doing. And even in those some of those cases, you know, we would take that individually and we may do it, but that would be something to take into, to, to take into consideration what else is going on. What about if somebody's got type 1 or type 2 diabetes? Can they do the elemental diet? Type 2 diabetes with careful monitoring and planning, uh, type 1, I would think that, that this probably there's other ways to go. I wouldn't choose this first. And for both of them, I would not choose this first. And I know we talked about, because of my own experience with disordered eating, how to manage the perhaps triggers of disordered eating with the elemental diet. And I'll share what I did uh, for anyone that's listening that 
knows that they're perhaps compromised in the way they approach food. My history with disordered eating was that I was bulimic when I was a teenager and I've used food in a variety of ways over the years, particularly with a lot of control. Um, as a survivor of sexual abuse, it's not uncommon for people to use food as a control mechanism because it's the one thing you can control. And I recognised that me not eating food for two weeks to three weeks, I originally planned to do 21 days and I achieved 14. And we'll talk about why that happened. Um, I was worried that on the flip side as I was coming back into food that I wouldn't want to eat. So I worked with, I was very open and honest with Jason about that, but I also worked with a psychologist and I met with her before the elemental diet and we put some very clear strategies in place of what I would look for, what were perhaps my warning flags, but also what um, you know, and then I would be going straight back into her if I felt that things were getting a little out of control. But how I could shift my focus from food to other things as a better way to cope with perhaps the stress or the anxiety or the sadness that I might feel going through not eating and, and with food coming out of my life, which has been such an integral part of my life, my whole life. And that was really beneficial. And I felt that I went into the elemental diet really armed with the right um, tools to do it successfully. And I did. I didn't trigger an eating disorder. But I do know that disordered eating or an e a known eating disorder is actually um, something that needs to be considered before doing the elemental diet as well. Yes, Rebecca, thank you so much for bringing that up. This would be another topic in that preliminary discussion and thinking through things, someone's medical history. And if disordered eating of any type is within that, that would be something that you would definitely need to both prepare for and just, just set foundational guidelines. It's, it's not a contraindication, um, but it would be something like you did that you just plan for and you know and you have a you have a plan in, in place that you would deal with anything that might come up uh, it may I do have to say that at least with my patients that would be something that we would talk about and really figure out whether this was the best choice right now because the truth be told this is one of many SIBO treatments and it is not something that everyone has to do to get well so it is, it is a good SIBO treatment, and it should be considered more, but that doesn't mean everyone needs to do that to, to rid themselves or get better from SIBO. So when, you've, when one and their practitioner have decided that this is the right option for them and they've done the prep, so they've mentally prepared, uh, although I don't know that you can truly mentally prepare for it until you're in it because you don't know what's going to come up, as I didn't, um, and you've prepared perhaps by by pulling out the bigger meals, reducing the volume of food, switching to softer foods, more pre-digested foods like soups and stews. What can you expect when you start the elemental diet? So I'll give, these are very big generalities and everyone's different, but they're, they're, we have gleaned some quote unquote tricks of the trade. And normally people start really strong. <laughs> First day or two, most times people are like, okay, can't, we're not going to be able to deal with this taste for two to three weeks, but it's tolerable because it's just all the food. Day one and two normally goes pretty well. That's when die-off symptoms normally start. 
And this would be with any fast. I, those that have water fasted in the past, those that you know cleanse yearly, know that that's probably the time period with any of these sorts of things that you know die-off symptoms come up, detox symptoms some people call. This is like that two to three day mark. That normally can last for about four to five days for some. Some get through it in a couple days, some get through it in one or two, but normally that lasts four to five days, and then some extremes to day nine to 10. So it's really that, that middle of that first period that I believe is the most difficult for the most people. Again, everyone's different, but that's kind of the guidelines, and that's even what I put in my after-visit summary to inform patients, hey, what to expect. So, and then day 10 to 12, things start to plateau. And then after that, most people really are in the process of most likely not using the restroom very often. This is something we definitely need to stress that not going to the bathroom is, doesn't mean this isn't working or harm is being done. We're just having things absorbed so high up that not a lot is going through the gastrointestinal tract. So we don't expect you to use the restroom or stool very often on this. Um, very little and even more like baby stool when, when it might happen. But after day 10 to 12, normally that's kind of the plateau area that people can either extend to that third week easily or, you know, we realize this is enough, you know, that... And that's, that's a time period that I do like to touch base with some patients depending on what we're, what we're thinking. What other symptoms or side effects can people experience as they're going through the elemental diet? So anything in the die-off range. So this would be malaise, fatigue, flu-like symptoms. Uh, the other thing that the elemental diet brings on to this is blood sugar dysregulation. So, you know, getting lightheaded, um, possibly even almost falling over, blood pressure types of things. We should know that beforehand and have a plan for that, but that can be something that the elemental diet does bring forward. And again, like I was saying, all the die-off symptoms that any antimicrobial or elemental diet treatment for SIBO could happen. One of the side effects, I suppose you could call it, that I wasn't so mentally prepared for was the mental side. So I had done a lot of mental preparation around what it would be like to not eat food and and what I would do at dinner time when my partner Sam was cooking dinner and you know, all of that stuff. I really focused on the physical physicality of not eating. But I hadn't appreciated just how emotionally invested psychologically invested I was with food and I found myself quite weepy and I spent the first so days one and two were great I was really on board I was motivated I was excited to be doing it I was kind of looking forward to the break from food and then days three through to about five I just cried a lot sometimes without any real cause I just felt like I needed to cry and I'd just be weeping and if you watch my vlogs on my YouTube channel The Healthy Gut you'll see <laughs> I share some of those weepy videos with you and I felt really tired and I spent a lot of time in bed just sleeping and resting like I just was completely zapped of energy and I hadn't prepared for the emotional component. How many of your patients are kind of experiencing that emotional side of coming off food? Many, many. And that's, that's one of those things that 
if I could say that the elemental diet is both, it is both essential nutrition and it brings us to our essential peace. So there will definitely be a processing that happens with, you know, giving up routine, giving up food, coming to our most crucial central moment, um, especially in those first couple days. Again, one and two is normally a gift and then reality sets in that this is gonna be some time. Uh, that, that's that time period of a lot of introspection, um, really dealing with this is gonna be some time and where real healing can happen. And, and that's why I stress that this may be a time that someone tries to go on a retreat or doesn't have as much to do that just like animals in nature that are trying to heal, they, they, they just either hibernate or go away from things and take some time to truly rest and heal. This is a essential, very, very good treatment, but it is, it is a top level treatment. And this is one of those things to really be aware of. So to give yourself that space. Now, not everyone's experience is like that. I have some patients that are like, that was the easiest thing I did and feel fantastic and their numbers are great and they feel better. And then I have others that this was where they chose to change jobs or change their lives or it, it really is the whole gamut and everyone uh, does approaches this just like everything differently. Going back to what you said earlier, I do think it's really important to do this at a time that suits you. I had to wait a couple of months to find a time in my schedule that would not only allow me to do the elemental diet in relative peace, I wiped my schedule. Uh, I actually was so fatigued for most of the time that I needed to rest so much I couldn't do a lot of work. I was generally averaging about two or three hours of work a day and I'm more of a workaholic than not so that was a big change for me and but I also needed to have the time for the food reintroduction phase and we will get to that and that was a really important component so I had six weeks blocked out I would have had more blocked out but I was going overseas and traveling and so I I kind of had to speed up the food reintroduction part um but I'm so glad that I made that time for myself. I said to my friends, said to my family, I'll see you in October. Uh, I'm basically going away for September. And it really did allow that time for introspection, for healing. It was a mini retreat at home. I didn't go anywhere, but I just didn't do very much. Yeah. And that's, it's essentially important for many people that they take that time. Um, this this is not the treatment you want to choose if you want to power through. There are other options. Uh, this is one that will require, even if it goes exceptionally well, a little bit more effort and a little bit more change of lifestyle. For the people that are avid exercisers, should you or can you be exercising at the same intensity as when you're eating food? So big generality, I would say it is possible most people need to cut back a little bit at least. But what I encourage my patients is to listen to their body. You know, if they have the energy, go right ahead. And, and if that brings them enjoyment and it doesn't stress their body and it doesn't stress their mind and it actually helps, you know, move things through, make sure you're drinking a ton of water, you know, all these things. If it helps and they have the energy, I encourage them to do it. I do have to say that the majority of people are not in that camp. The majority of people do need to 
just like work, just like setting aside a time, they need to cut back a percentage at least. From my personal experience, the first week of the elemental diet, I could barely do anything. I kind of took my dog for very gentle walks. And that's hard when you have a crazy young Jack Russell as I do. But in the second week, my energy returned and I was able to walk him and I was able to go to the park and be a much more active doggy mum than I had been the first week. And I didn't need to rest as much. So even in the same experience, it can change as I felt. Yes, and that's in the sense of, and that fit that pattern, you know, day seven through 10 was, you know, as you're sharing, you got more of that, that energy. And again, that's why I'm saying set some time aside and listen to your body. You know, these are just big generalities. We want you to be looking forward to this. We want you to be preparing for this. Um, Just know what might come up and have a plan for it and be prepared for it. And then if it goes great, that's fantastic. You're overprepared. We've talked about some of the things you might experience. Blood sugar dysregulation is one, and that's something that I experienced. And you'll see on blo- on my vlog on day two, I believe it was, where I'd been out walking the dog and I had a huge uh, crash with my blood sugar and I was left feeling really shaky. And I've that was probably the worst side effect for me, other than being a bit weepy and crying quite a bit, was the blood sugar. I found that that really... I just had the highs and the lows and I don't like that feeling. And so we added, uh, I decided to, um, after consult with you, add some fat into the elemental diet. Can we talk about why one might add fat and what that's doing to help with the blood sugar? That's a good question, hey? I've got loads more just like this coming up after this break. We'll be back in a moment. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Can we talk about why one might add fat and what that's doing to help with the blood sugar? Absolutely. So the two main reasons to be adding fat, and when I say fat, I mean MCT oil or ghee. The ghee is a bit of a challenge. You have to be really, really an expert at incorporating cold and hot. And we can get to that if we need to. But the MCT oil comes in liquid form, and you need to be careful. I wouldn't exceed over a teaspoon at first. You can go up to a tablespoon because there could be some bile release from the gallbladder. And if you're prone to gallbladder pain, that's going to happen because you're just using fat. So the two main reasons to add fat, the first is caloric to get calories up. So each scoop is equivalent to a certain amount of calories. We come up with a range that we want you to be in for the day, depending on what your basal metabolic rate is and whether you want to lose or maintain or gain weight. We come up with that in the beginning. And, and then we'll add fat to either offset the amount of elemental diet you need to add the calories. And then the second reason is to have more of a steady burn. And this is what fat does 
in digestion and in diet is it burns the slowest, meaning it gets digested the slowest and gives us the most steady energy. This is why we want people to add healthy fats earlier in the day so they don't crash. You know, they can be maintained. The same ideas with the elemental diet, that we want to add a little bit more fat because the, the elemental diet itself is only about 30% fat. Uh, we want them to add more to have that be a more steady burn through the day. I found that it was helpful, although it didn't completely resolve those issues for me. Um, the other issue is the fungal side. And one thing that I noticed with my own experience was on about day three, I noticed that my tongue was starting to get quite white. And I started to get quite a sore tongue as well. So my mouth just felt a bit tender. And I started to incorporate uh, coconut oil pulling brushing and flossing my teeth after each drink, uh, swishing my mouth out with water. And that really helped keep it at bay. It never got worse and it improved slightly. It didn't, it didn't completely resolve while I was doing the shake, but I, it didn't feel like it got you know, problematic and I didn't feel like I needed to take an antifungal. Um, are there other things you need to be looking for with the, the yeasty fungal side of, of things when you're on the elemental diet and when is it appropriate to start taking an, an antifungal? Absolutely. So I'm a proponent of watching and waiting for the antifungal unless someone is just very yeasty and then I might do a prophylactic treatment, meaning I would do it before uh, the elemental diet. And many times we're doing an herbal protocol first that does have some antifungal qualities. So, so that may prepare someone to go into like an elemental diet as their second phase of treatment. I do that very often where we'll start with an herbal protocol of sorts, do an elemental diet, and then we might even go into another herbal protocol. It really depends on someone's particular SIBO treatment and their choices. Uh, in terms of during the diet, there are certain things that you can do to prevent what is somewhat inevitable. So we are putting a very, very rich carbohydrate substance in the mouth for a very long time period. This is like a Petri dish for any yeast, even if someone is not a yeasty person. So what we need to do to prevent that is some people need to brush a little bit more often, rinse with salt water, uh, do oil pulling, and all of those things will be spit out. I need to definitely say that you never want to swallow those things that you've swished or um, pulled with. Those will help. The other thing is to sip the drink through a straw. So it avoids your tongue almost entirely. It's almost impossible to do it entirely, but it helps. And for many people, that keeps them at bay. And this is also why I encourage people to take Epsom salt baths, baths at night, not only for relaxation, but this is kind of a little bit like a washing the skin, which is our biggest organ of detoxification, to just try and keep yeast at bay. And maybe even adding a little bit of essential oils to the bath, which kind of makes it nice and relaxation, like our spa retreat, but also has that antimicrobial, antifungal action. That's not in the mouth. I'm not saying intake them internally, but those, the swishing, the oil pulling, the straw, and making sure we're drinking enough water um, associated with the elemental diet helps all those things. Now you asked when you would wanna go on an antifungal. You shared your experience. If your experience was not that it kept it at bay, but it continued to get worse, that would be something that you would want to pull in an antifungal 
uh, to get through the diet or the diet just may not be appropriate for you at this point. I loved my Epsom salt baths on a nightly basis. I did them every single night and I timed them to coincide with when Sam, my partner, was cooking dinner. So I would run an Epsom salt bath. I'd put some essential oils in it so I didn't have to smell the food because I found that really difficult. And I would go in there and I would relax and I'd lie in the bath sometimes for up to an hour. And I used to look forward to that so much because it was the marker of another day done. And I actually found psychologically it to be a really great kind of mechanism to say, you know, day four done, tick. Day five done, tick. I'm in my bath again. Yes. So my bath time was like my absolute sanctuary. I loved it so much. And it made me sleepy. I'd often climb straight into bed after my bath. I'm not an early to bed person. I've never been the number of times I was in bed at 8 p.m., 8.30 p.m. and fast asleep all night long until kind of 7.30, 8 a.m. the next morning, it just showed how this was really a time for rehabilitation, rest, restore for my body. And my body just thanked me for the sleep I gave it. And this just this is one of those things to help. And when we say Epsom salt baths, I mean two, two to two and a half cups. It's a lot of Epsom salts. We're kind of getting in the float mentality of someone has done one of those floats with very heavy uh, magnesium content. The only thing to be aware of is with the blood sugar dysregulation and just feeling maybe a little bit weaker, tired, this can make you dizzy, especially with hot water and that amount of Epsom salts. So be careful when getting up. Um, take your time. Make sure there's things to hold on to that you're preparing for that because it could make you dizzy when getting up from that amount of bath or Epsom salts. One thing I also experienced was a feeling of being quite cold. Now, admittedly, September is the tail end of our winter in Melbourne and it was reasonably cool. It wasn't warm by any stretch of the imagination, but I felt even colder than I normally feel. And one question I remember asking you was, can I turn my um, elemental diet drink into a hot tea-like substance. Can we talk about what temperature we need to drink the elemental diet and why? So normally we recommend people make it as cold as possible, like ice cold. And the reason being is it helps the taste. Um, adding some ice to the, even blending with some ice really helps the taste, the tolerability. Um, that's actually how we recommend it. You can't, unfortunately, you can't heat this to a high degree because it'll denature the proteins. Um, and that's just because of the way the product is made. It's unfortunate because there, it, it does limit our availability to do this through the year because in the middle of winter, it makes it very difficult to be sipping a nice cold drink all day. And some people, that may be not their best time to do that. Um, so yes, it does need to be cold. It should be iced. And if you, if you put it with hot water, it could denature the proteins. While we're on that, the other thing is it can't really sit for very long. So what, whenever you mix it, because of those free-form aminos, it, they will degrade over time. So you do want to consume it within a couple hours of mixing. I think the bag and the, uh, the producer says it can last up to 24 hours, but I kind of recommend people drink it within six to eight. I would just make it as I went. I found that was so much easier. And I agree with you about the taste. The colder by far, the definitely the better. I would add in uh, one to two scoops and a couple of cups of water. I'd drink it quite diluted. And then I'd add in an extra cup or two of ice and blend it up. 
And that was, for me, the most palatable and uh, tolerable way of doing it. And I'd always drink it with a straw. Let's talk about some of the mistakes that people make. And I made probably one of, you know, a, a common mistake, perhaps. I don't know if it's common, but one of the things that I experienced at around day 10, day 11, I think it was, I just didn't want to taste this flavour for another moment longer. I was sick to death of the taste of the elemental diet. Now, that is not to say it's a bad taste. It's not. But when you are a foodie like I am and your whole being is around food and different flavours, having that monotone flavour just gets too much. And I decided, without any consultation with anybody else, I decided to do a water-only fast. So I'd been in the elemental diet for 10 or 11 days, and then I fasted on water-only for 38 hours. Why shouldn't I have done that? (laughs) So here is the, the thinking behind the elemental diet is to have a consistent level of nutrition through this time. And everyone's different. I I have several stories where patients went rogue, that's how I call that, um, where it was successful and they were able to do that. And then I have plenty of stories like this one where that that was like the onset of the severe sugar dysregulation. And the reason for that is we're trying to get steady nutrition, uh, shut down the gut while not putting the body into a pure fasting state. It's kind of a middle of the road, best of both worlds fast. When you add fasting on top of that, which like I I said, some people can do successfully, but when you add that on top of it, you dysregulate things almost automatically. And that it's, it's like a frequency and that frequency gets, gets more jumbled. Um, this is why one of the biggest mistakes is not following the recommendations of the amount of scoops a day at s- several times a day. Like we're talking poss- at least three times like meals, possibly four, possibly five times doing a scoop two or three, depending on the caloric requirement and sipping it very slow. This is the other number one mistake. And please hear me. You must slip this very slow for over 45 minutes to an hour. If, it, if you sip it too quickly, it moves through the gut too quickly and it can cause diarrhea or explosions, like not just diarrhea, it could be really bad. So, and the reason being is it just, it digests so far up and gets absorbed so far up in the small intestine that if you sip it too fast, it goes through too quickly and then it just needs to shoot out. So those are the two biggest mistakes I see. And the, and with the first one, not having enough, this is actually the number one reason people either fail the elemental diet or, or, or just feel absolutely miserable. Or the couple of times where it was a little bit concerning, this was the reason that someone was just having one or scooped one or one to two scoops a day. And that is never recommended. So you should at least be eight to 10 scoops a day for most people, if not more. I was doing, I think from memory, two scoops per shake and I was 
generally sitting at about four to five drinks during the day and taking a minimum of, minimum of an hour per drink. So I've got to be honest, it feels like you spend your whole time sipping these damn drinks. And, um, and that can be, you know, you can just get a bit sick of it, which is why I felt the way I did. Uh, but I found that the days where I had more shakes more frequently... I didn't feel the great highs and lows with my blood sugar and I was also very conscious to make sure I got my next shake in before the the really shaky, very uneasy feeling uh, that I get with low blood sugar kicked in. So if I got the slightest hint that my blood sugar was starting to drop, I would immediately be out there creating a shake again and that really helped. Uh, I think there was, um, you know, talking about that explosive diarrhoea, my experience with that was when I tried to incorporate fat. I tried MCT oil and ghee. The ghee was disaster. I couldn't melt it and blend it. It turned into a cottage cheese chunky grossness that... I don't have textural issues normally, but man, I had textural issues that day. And um, so I found liquid MCT oil to be far better to add in, but I added way too much. I think I added added a tablespoon in that first drink and then that came straight out of me and I then had to go back and I think I started then doing a quarter or a half a teaspoon and slowly adding up each shake until I could tolerate more. Yeah, it's slow is the name of this game, and and that's, it is unfortunate that that is the way uh, it just helps. But slow is the name of the game, and adding that fat allows, you know, less of that blood sugar dysregulation. But that's why I said we have to be very careful when adding the fat, because it can both not only gallbladder pain but shoot out very quickly because the digestive tract has shut down. So it's just lubricating things and coming right through. Uh, but the, the multiple shakes a day, this is why this was created, to really keep you in that middle ground state that your gut is shutting down, it doesn't have to work, and that helps many conditions, not just SIBO. I'm sure we'll mention that at some point. Uh, it helps many conditions, but it's not putting your body in this extreme fasting state like a water fast for two to three weeks. You get to 14 days and that's often a, an end point for people. It was where I ended up completing the elemental diet. At what point do you decide to continue on to say 21 days or beyond or to finish up? So every person is different. The quote unquote best scientific way to determine whether it's a 14 or a 21 day elemental diet would be doing a breath test on either day 14 or 15 to see if you've accomplished what you needed to accomplish. Because if you have, why torture yourself for another week? Why, why go through more? More treatment is not necessarily better in this circumstance. So that would be the most scientific way to do it is conduct a breath test on day 14 or 15. And the, the, amazing thing is, is the elemental diet is a prep for the breath test. So all you have to do is take the breath test on day 15 in the morning. Sometimes that's hard to navigate with your particular breath, te breath testing center or your doctor, but if it's available, that's the, that's the best and most scientific way to do that, to say, have we done what we needed to do or do we d need to do more? Now, there, that's not always available, and many times someone also needs to just listen to their body, you know, in the sense that 
if they're done at day 12, 13, and they're just really trying to even get through day 14, there is this, this point where I, where I think whether we're doing physically a, a, a good treatment by going another week, but it's going to be so mentally distressing or vice versa, it's just not worth it. There are other ways to go. No one is a failure. Getting through 14 days of this is, is superhero status. So that is not a failure. I've seen it work time and time again. I've even seen times that the first 14 days was enough and someone went on and did harm. So it really is a very individual thing. Again, the best way to do it is a breath test because it's just solid numbers and science, but even that isn't perfect. So it really is individual and coming up with a plan. Are we looking for an all-clear breath test at day 14 or just a reduced numbers breath test? What, what's that, what are we looking for at that point? So it can be a range of things. Obviously, we all want an all-clear breath test, and I have seen it. That's the, that's the miracle of the elemental diet is even high numbers sometimes can go to zero. Sometimes they go up, and sometimes they're just reduced. And then it gets kicked to this other discussion of, we've reduced your numbers by 40 to 60%, which is a very common result. Do we continue for another week? And then it's, then it's a partnership between practitioner and patient to figure out if, if this is the right way to go. So what I would say, though, is any change on the breath test is good news, and that kicks it to the other. And what I mean by change is a reduction in numbers. That puts it to the other discussion. As a typical type A personality that I am, when I went into the elemental diet, I had decided I was going to do 21 days because I'd decided that would be the perfect way of doing it. And when I got to day 12 or 13 and I uh, had my Skype consult with you, Jason, I was like, I am done. I do not want to do another day. I'm getting to day 14 and then I'm getting off this I was done and dusted and, you know, I'd got the book, I'd got the T-shirt and I did not want to do another day. And I guess I fell into that category of patient that, you know, you could not have, I don't know that you could have said anything to me that would have convinced me to go another day longer because I just didn't want to. I just got to the end, I think. Yeah, that's important. And listening to that is so important because there was no guarantee that that next week would have done anything more for you and... This, this comes down to practice and partnership and practitioner philosophy. This has to be a partnership. And when, when, when that was not what you decided and wanted to do, we would be doing harm if we did anything else. And I tell you what, moving into the food stage was just the best thing ever. And guys, go and watch my video of day one of food reintroduction where I filmed myself taking my first mouthfuls of a clear broth and it was the best clear broth I've ever tasted in my life. It was amazing. So Jason, let's talk about food reintroduction. I think this is a really important step and often one that's overlooked. How should we approach our food reintroduction and what should we break our fast with? So this is, the, this is actually sometimes even more important than the elemental diet itself. It's reacclimating to food and doing it very slowly. So the idea behind this for all the treatments of the elemental diet is shutting the gut down. We need to restart it. 
and those first couple days, um, possibly one for some people, possibly two, should really be a very safe broth or very, 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 think baby food, stewed meat with maybe if someone tolerates some rice or some grains or those sorts of things. Very, very, very mushy, very small quantities, chewed very thoroughly, eaten very slowly. And then in my practice, I add two insurance pieces to make sure that the gut is, is starting to reactivate. Um, something called motility activator, which is a prokinetic, but it's on the gentle side to start digestion. And then some herbal bitters to make sure that we're stimulating digestive juices, hydrochloric acid, and getting things back to where they're supposed to be. This reintroduction period for uh, my patients goes four to six weeks. So it sometimes can be double even the longest elemental diet. And in some cases, if, it, if we're dealing with ulcerative colitis or Crohn's, IBD, not SIBO, we even go into an SCD intro after the elemental diet. So combining treatments to, to really help someone's particular situation. And even those with SIBO or IBS continuum can go into an intro SCD diet for a couple days and then start those phases if it's easier than the phases that we actually put in the after visit summary. The important thing though is slow and steady wins the race and it's very, very slow introduction of foods waiting to very, very late in the game, meaning like week three, four, five, to go into anything that caused aggravation previously. I broke my fast with a chicken broth. So it was just a clear broth. Oh, wow. It was such a good chicken broth. And then, and that was just day one. And it was amazing how full I felt just from that clear chicken broth. I thought that I would have been starving, but I wasn't. Um, I chewed that. So it might sound weird because there was nothing to chew, but with every mouthful that I took, I would pick up the spoon. I'd put the spoon of broth into my mouth. I'd put the spoon back down and then I'd chew that broth and swallow it. And so I wasn't gulping at my broth. I was doing it really slow. And it would take me half an hour to eat this really small bowl of broth. But A, it tasted bloody incredible after the <laughs> not tasting anything else than the, than the elemental diet. Um, but it also, I felt, really helped my digestive system just go, oh, okay, we've got this other stuff coming in now. On day two, I felt uh, I was really trying to listen to my body. I added pureed, really well-cooked and pureed carrot to my broth. I had um, cooked the broth with the chicken meat, which I'd pulled out. I then added just a tiny little amount of shredded, well-cooked chicken meat once I felt that I was okay with the carrots and again chewing so 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 slowly and carefully with each mouthful then I added in um, well-cooked and pureed zucchini and I went to the vegetables that I knew I tolerated well but also that I really felt like so I had a day where I was like I really need some broccoli and I well cooked until it was almost disintegrating and then pureed some broccoli and put it into my chicken broth. And I was like, oh man, I love broccoli so much. Now for some people, broccoli would just be too much, but I felt like my body was saying, today's the day for broccoli and I listened to it. And every day I just added one new thing. 
And so it might have been that I, on one day, I changed from chicken broth to a fish broth with well-cooked fish in it and maybe some carrot, which I knew I'd already tolerated. I went so methodically slow. But I tell you what, Jason, my food reintroduction phase went really well and I didn't have those classic symptoms that I hear from people the extreme bloating, the extreme abdominal discomfort, extreme constipation, because I was going, treading very slowly. I also felt that by using Motility Activator, which I love, uh, that really helped switch my gut back on. And I will talk about the my experience with herbal bitters. Um, so we had said, yep, try the herbal bitters. I got my local naturopath to make some up for me. And then I had a huge histamine flare from it. Now, you gave me a really great tip, which was around the ginger tincture. Uh, can you talk about what happens if you do have a reaction to something that's helping to stimulate the digestive juices and what else you can do? Absolutely. So if herbal bitters that you've tried this before and this causes a histamine reaction, which it can because it's made in alcohol and there's many herbs in herbal bitters, depending on the formula, you can make your own. You could make a decoction of ginger, which is what's in Motility Activator, but it's slightly different because they've standardized that and changed some of the gingerols and sheols. You can take just a little nubbin of ginger and decoct it into a tea, and what I mean by a decoction is just it's a long tea made into like a broth of sorts, and that can be your herbal bitters. Um, or another like gentian or something that you have a relationship with that you know it's comforting to you, it's helped your digestion in the past. Again, we, we don't want to be so dogmatic that one thing works for everyone, it doesn't. The idea here is to add something to just stimulate digestion, to have a safety net, an insurance policy that this may be my different approach to this than other practitioners, that this is the time period that is almost most crucial. It's this reintroduction, getting back to real life and doing that well. Now, having said that, all those side effects are common during this time. Some bloating, some constipation. This is just normal as the gut turns on. And I warn all my patients and anyone listening that it takes at least four to six weeks for things to truly get back to quote unquote your normal. Um, hopefully a very different normal than before you began, but that's, that's the time period for this. And that's really important to say that it's really this time period so people don't feel like a failure after week two or three because they're still constipated or bloated. It really is four to six weeks after the elemental diet where the rubber really hits the road. One thing that surprised me was my exhaustion once food started to come back through my system and I realised just how much energy is required to digest food. On day one, it was just the clear broth and I didn't feel tired after eating that. But on day two, I introduced the pureed and well-cooked carrots and then some, and on day three, some well-cooked chicken and I think zucchini came in that day. I slept for so many hours during the day on those two days because I was just wiped out, absolutely wiped out. And I was like, oh my gosh, I never knew how much energy my body requires to digest food. That was quite incredible for me. I followed, uh, once I'd kind of got through the broth stage and the very basic baby food, 
I followed the GAPS introduction diet and I personally found that to be great because it gave me some structure. I like structure and it also gave me kind of like a methodology to follow. What I did is I I moved really slowly, particularly in phase one, which was all around really, you know, soft pureed foods, food soups, those types of things, blended foods. I sat with those foods for a week. I didn't feel the need to hurry into a whole piece of chicken or a whole piece of fish. I tell you what, I felt some of the best I've ever felt because it was like my gut was just really thanking me for the the quality of food and the and the ease in which it was to digest. And I had a four-week window to get myself up to scratch before I travelled to South Africa. I would have loved another couple of weeks because I felt like I had to rush at the end. Now, I don't think it was detrimental, but I just I was really enjoying that process so much. And it's not often that we give ourselves this time to you know, really reconnect with food and, and go back to basics and give us permission to do so. Let's talk about outcomes. Now, I've shared my, on a, um, a vlog, the outcome of my SIBO, of my elemental diet for SIBO treatment. And when I retested and, and the decision was to retest after South Africa, that would give a really clear picture as to what had happened in my gut when I'd been in a different country and my gut had been working. So it was about eight weeks after uh, finishing the elemental diet that I redid my SIBO breath test. And I was very surprised to see that I had not only hydrogen, which I've always had, but I also had methane um, present in my breath test results. But I did not feel like I had SIBO. I couldn't feel any symptoms. I didn't have the bloating or the constipation. I felt really good. But it was surprising and a little bit disappointing to see that there was still gases present and methane for the first time. How common is it for people to still have SIBO present after doing an elemental diet? Fairly common. Um, The most common result is a reduction in gases of between 40 to 70% if it's successful. There's sometimes that the elemental diet, just like any SIBO protocol, isn't successful. It doesn't move numbers at all. But as we've said so many times, numbers are not, gas numbers, breath test numbers, three hours lactulose are not our prime motive. Your symptoms, how you feel, has to be correlated with those gas numbers. So if we went out and tested the population, a lot of people would have positive methane, positive hydrogen, but they have no symptoms. In my view, that is not treatable SIBO. That is just a variation of normal. And what has to correlate is gas numbers and symptoms and timing and feeling. <laughs> and and oh, and all those things mesh that's the diagnosis. That's that top layer of the onion. There's many other things that could be going on, but that's when that would be what you would want to treat. So the answer to your particular breath test, yes, it changed dramatically. We would probably, because there were no symptoms at that point, we'd probably want to repeat that and see that that was actually the new norm when maybe a treatment was needed or symptoms re-arose to see if this is where we're going to go. Um, 
I hope that that helps, yeah. Mm. And it's interesting that I'm six months down the track from doing the elemental diet. I would say up until very recently, I have had no SIBO symptoms. And just in the last few weeks, I've noticed that things are starting to return. Now, I have a lot of adhesions and I know a big picture for me is this constriction in my small intestine. And in fact, my symptoms from my adhesions have really started to escalate and so I can see that this this interrelationship between adhesions restriction and SIBO symptoms is very much hand in hand and I'm about to go off and have some more adhesion treatment which is I can't wait um, and so I feel like hmm, this is perhaps about the time for me to start you know maybe do another breath test see where I'm at perhaps do some uh, maybe a herbal round of treatment just to bring my numbers down because it feels like it's come back but for me to get a six-month window where I've been feeling really great and feeling very symptom free I think has been successful I look back at my time with the elemental diet, I'm actually really glad I did it. It was really hard on some days. There were some days when I just hated the world for the fact that I was doing the elemental diet. There were other days when I loved the world for the fact I was doing the elemental diet. But all in all, I think it was a great thing for me to do. I actually want to incorporate a two-week fast of whatever description, be it elemental or water, into my annual plan because I felt that it was such a good cleanse and a break for my body. And it helped me um, remember that I don't have to have food every day and I reincorporated some of my longer intermittent fasting windows. So now I generally only have lunch and dinner and I incorporate at least one 24-hour fast per week. And I, and I try to get to two where I can. And that's been a really good outcome for me from doing the elemental diet. So I'm all in all, guys, those of you who are listening, I'm really glad that I did it. I think it was worth it. And despite the fact that my SIBO breath test numbers actually came back higher than they were before the elemental diet, who's to say that I didn't clear the SIBO with the elemental diet and then something happened in South Africa that gave me, you know, perhaps an overgrowth again or, you know, who's to say what happened because we didn't test immediately afterwards. But I went by my feelings, my symptoms, and I felt fantastic. I had people coming up and talking about how clear my eyes looked, how clear my skin looked, how much happier I seemed. And to me, that was the sign of success. And that's, that's the sign of success for this in the, in the sense of when we choose a path for SIBO treatment, the ultimate goal, we all want a negative breath test, but the ultimate goal is someone feeling the way they want to feel, living the life they want to live, and symptoms not inhibiting them, but rather just being a part of normal existence. And that's success. And no matter what that looks like for each individual person, in, in the sense of our partnership of practitioner and, and patient, that's success, at least in my book. Dr. Jason Wysocki, thank you for coming back onto the Healthy Gut Podcast to talk all things elemental diet. For people that are listening who would like to connect with you, perhaps even come in as a patient, how can they make contact with you? Absolutely. The best way is to look up our website, 8hearts.org, or call our office for an appointment. Um, we have many podcasts together, Rebecca, so those are some of the best ways to see what I do in my practice and how that works. And 
uh, our office would love to hear from you. And those episodes, as just as a reminder, are episodes 40, 45 and 72. And do head to the show notes so that you can get the contact details for Eight Hearts. I've also got the links there for my vlog so you can watch what I went through with my elemental diet and also my summary where I talk about all of the things that I wanted to achieve by doing the elemental diet and what my full results were. So Jason, thanks for coming back on for the fourth time <laughs> onto the Healthy Gut Podcast. It's been a pleasure as always to have you on the show. Always a pleasure, Rebecca. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed today's episode with Dr. Jason Wysocki and I'm interested. Would you do the elemental diet or hearing more about it? Has it made you think I am never, ever doing that? A bit like how I used to be. <laughs> Send me an email and let me know. I'd love to know if you're considering the elemental diet as part of your treatment formula. You can always email me at Rebecca at thehealthygut.com. I do love hearing from you. And don't forget to leave a rating and review so that I know what you're thinking of season three of the Healthy Gut Podcast. It really helps put the show uh, up on the new and noteworthy list so that people know that this is a great episode and show to watch and listen to when you're dealing with SIBO. And if you're wanting the transcription from today's episode, you can get it by becoming a member of the Healthy Gut Podcast. Simply sign up at thehealthygut.com forward slash podcast and you will receive the transcription from every episode in season three. You've been listening to The Healthy Gut Podcast with your host, Rebecca Coombs. To learn more about The Healthy Gut or our podcast, head to thehealthygut.com forward slash podcast. We would like to thank Red Lemon Productions for the production and original music score of this podcast. To find out more about their services, head to redlemonproductions.com. The Healthy Gut Podcast is a production of The Healthy Gut. Thanks for listening. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.